how it lights my path, how it guides my way. Let's listen, let's be quiet now and listen as Abby reads us the story that Walter is going to unpack to us from Exodus chapter 16, verses 21 down to 36. Each each morning, everyone gathered as they needed, um, that they needed, and the, in the heat of the day, the rest melted. However, on the sixth day of the week, everyone gathered enough to have four liters instead of two. When the leaders reported this to Moses, he told the, them that the Lord said. Tomorrow is the Shabbat, uh, a sacred day of rest in honor of me. So gather all you want to bake or boil and make sure you save enough for tomorrow. The people obeyed and the next morning the food smelled fine and had no worms. You may eat the food, Moses said. Today is the Sabbath in on Shabbat or I don't know either Shabbat or Sabbath I, I forgot in honor of the Lord and and there there weren't any of this food on the ground the neck uh, on the ground today you will f- you will find the it there for the first six days of the week but not on the sabbath a few of the israelites did go out to look for some but there was none the lord said moses how long will you how long will your people disobeying my laws and teachings remember that i was the one who gave you the Sabbath. That's why on the sixth day I provided enough bread for two days. Everyone is to stay home and rest on the Sabbath. And they, and so they rested on the Sabbath. The Israelites called the bread manna. It was white with like coriander seeds and delicious as wafers made with honey. Moses told the people Moses told the people that, that the Lord said, Store up two liters of this manna because I want I want future generations to see the food I gave du- during the time you were in the desert. After I rescued you from Egypt, then Moses told Aaron, put some manna in a jar and store store it in in the place of worship for the future generations. Oh, I'm reading the same bit, I think. In the sea. Aaron followed the Lord's instructions and put the manna in front of the scarred chest for keep saving. 
The Israelites ate manna for 40 years before they came to the border of Canaan. That, that was a settled island. Thank you so much, Abby. That was brilliant. Let's encourage Abby. That brilliant reading. And Walter's going to share, so I'll pray for him. Thank you, Lord, for this amazing story, Lord. Not just a story, but the truth of your word and how you worked with your people in those days. And I pray now you'd fill Walter with your spirit as he shares with us. And may we learn something for our days from it. Amen. Hello, everybody. Now, I'm intrigued. I mean, I'd love to know what manna actually tasted like, but we only have that description that it was white and like coriander. So I'd like to think maybe there was a bit of that coriander flavor in it. And we know it tasted a bit like honey and wafers. So that's why we've put these, assembled these ingredients today. Um, but there are three ingredients, and in a similar way, there are three ingredients to this passage, which the Lord is instructing the children of Israel to do or to carry out. Um, there are three kind of life, lifestyles, in a way. Do you want to move to the next one? And those are, as we've seen, rest, the Sabbath, eat, the manna, and trust in obedience. So... The first one is rest. In this, re in this passage, the word Sabbath is used for the first time. Does any, do, I wonder if any children or youth can tell me what that word Sabbath means. Anyone? Yes? It is? It's to rest. Absolutely right. Excellent. Yes, to rest. Sabbath means to rest. So, as I said, it's mentioned for the first time in the Bible at, at this point, and Remember, it becomes, to remember the Sabbath, becomes one of the Ten Commandments. So it must have been a very important idea for the Lord, for his children to rest. Um, and especially, I think, for these people, because they had been slaves in Egypt, hadn't they? And they probably never rested. They'd never had a day in the week off to rest. They probably worked seven days a week. And so God wanted them to take one day off to rest and not to collect the manna on that day. Um, and it was just like the Lord himself when he spent six days creating the heavens and the earth. He spent one day resting at the end of that. So just to recap, the Israelites were not to go looking for food. They were not to go on journeys they, the passage says they were to stay in their place. So we can imagine that was probably their tents, wasn't it? Wherever they were sleeping, they were to stay there with their families. And I'd like to next, in a second, go through some slides. And I'd like everybody to shout, Sabbath, when they think, when we get there, when they think this activity in the slide corresponds with what we imagine the Israelites were doing. Okay, so a little clue is that obviously the Israelites didn't have technology to entertain themselves with. So we've got some images of contemporary life, but what is one or 
more of those images which correspond with what the Israelites were doing, which we can also do. Right, let's go for it. Next. Is that, no? Let's see if anyone shouts Sabbath. It's all silent. Well, you're doing really well. Well, hey, well done. Keep going. Keep going. Yes. Is there another one? <laughs> right. Interesting, isn't it? I think we can go to the next one. Right. Interesting, isn't it? What some of us consider rest, but what the Lord maybe considered rest was slightly different to the way we perhaps picture it. And if we think about why was the Lord asking him to rest, it wasn't just to rest, it wasn't just to eat, it was the fact that they would be together with their families chatting. They would be fellowshipping. They would have that opportunity, that one day a week. And it's because the Lord knows that that's good for us, that we need that. It's healing for us to spend time resting in each other's company, chatting, just getting, just catching up. And, you know, I'm talking to us adults now. Those driving whips of the Egyptians probably still crack in our minds, don't they? Like, when, whenever we have spare time, I know that's true of myself. Whenever I have a bit of spare time, I think, how can I use it productively? How can I do something that, you know, is a job, finish a chore? Uh, and so, you know, we're always restless, but the Lord wants us to have a, dif- a different rhythm to the rest of the world in this, doesn't he? He wants us to rest with a capital R. Right, we're going to move on to the next one. Eat. We're going to think about the manna. I wonder if any children or youth know what that word manna means. Anyone? What is it? Does anyone know what that word means? What is it? Do any adults know what it means? What is it? Exactly. The Israelites walked out on that seventh day of the week and they saw white on the ground. And they said, what is it? And it's, the Hebrew is literally manu. Manu, right? I wonder if anyone, just for fun, can tell me what, what is it is in another language, in a language that you know. So well, let's say what is it in that different language. Fantastic. Anyone else? Keseso, right? Any, anyone else quickly? Just chat. What is it in another language? Arabic, Martin, come on. Fantastic. I love German, actually. German sounds very, was ist das? Fantastic, isn't it? And Afrikaans, what is that? Similar. Yeah. Manna. What is it? What is it? Um, the Lord told the people to rest and eat it all up every day, all right? Um, And we don't know for sure, as I said, what was in that manner. But since it mentions it, I looked up, what is coriander good for? Because it mentions coriander. Coriander helps lower blood sugar, fights infections, promotes heart, brain, skin, and digestive health. Honey 
Honey is used as an anti-inflammatory. It's an antioxidant, an antibacterial agent. Wafer. Wafer is pretty much unleavened bread made from flour. So that was nutritious and filling. Okay, But whatever was in that manner, it must have been a really energy superfood. It sustained the children of Israel for 40 years. It must have kept them healthy. It must have had a good balance of minerals and vitamins. And also, um, it must have been quite, um, what do you call it? Um, it had, you could use it in different ways because you could bake it and you could boil it, it said in that passage. You could probably add it to the quail meat that they got in the evenings and make it into a delicious meal. So what does manna represent to us? You know, Jesus in John chapter 6 speaks of himself as the true manna from heaven, which gives life to the world. And he said in John 6.35, I am the bread of life. The one who comes to me will not be hungry. So with this passage in the back of our minds, Jesus saying, he who comes to me will not be hungry. Let's look at a few activities and think about, now these are all activities which satisfy in some way, I think. Um, but let's, let's just look at them, and Vicky's going to flick through them again, and think about, does this satisfy me, does it? And if, if this satisfies, if the activity you see satisfies your heart completely, you might want to shout out, manna! But let's see, let's just see all the way through to the end, go for it. <laughs> Computer games. Mana. Yes. I think we can possibly agree, hopefully all agree. All those things that before this slide, I have done to some degree or other and chased after to some degree or other in my life. And I can definitely say that None of those things sustain me and bring me peace and satisfaction like the bread of life, Jesus does. And does anyone agree? Amen. Yes, we need to be people who eat from that bread of life. And we need to be people who share that bread of life, don't we? And then finally, we've got trust. Trust and obedience I've got there. Now, I wonder if we've got a tree church child who is particularly brave, who can volunteer for our next little demonstration. Come in, Alita. Now, I wonder for, this, for the person, could you stand there, stand right where you, where you were, right there, in front of your mum. And I wonder if Maria and Kezia could come and assist with this one. I don't know if you've ever played the trusting game. Now, this is a game, apparently, that um, sports coaches or a, an activity that sports, co sports coaches um, use to help their team to trust each other. Now, you're going to stand one on either side of Alita, and Alita, you're going to be as stiff as a board, and you're going to fall forward, and Kezia will catch you, all right? But you've got to see if you, you've got to fall forward as stiff as a board, and then she's going to push you back, and you're going to fall backwards, and Maria is going to catch you. 
And I want to see how much. Right, don't let her fall far, just a little bit, a little bit. And then the more confidence she gets, maybe you can let a little further go, right? Are you ready? Steady, go. Well done. Oh, well done. Well done. Excellent. Wow, she's brave. She didn't even take a step. Excellent. Whoa. Excellent. Let's give her a, give her a clap. Thank you. You can all sit down. Thank you. Excellent. I remember when I was little doing that for the first time, and I had an uncle on both sides of me who I didn't trust at all. And I, I just took a step every single time. You know, they needed help from my points of view. <laughs> you know? And when we look at this passage right near the beginning in verse 4 in, in chapter 16, it says, The Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day, so that I may test them whether or not they will walk in my instruction. So the instructions around this collection of manna was more than just about God providing his people with food. It was about teaching them a different way of living. It was, you, you know, as I said before, can we imagine their lifestyles in Egypt? Um, they didn't have days of rest. They probably didn't always have regular food either. If some food came their way, they'd probably snatch it. They'd probably grab it and run. They'd probably take as much as they possibly could and save it in case tomorrow they didn't have any food. Can you imagine what their lives must have been like as slaves in Egypt? And when I think, you know, in 2001, there were terrible riots. They were called the Zuma riots in South Africa. Um, could we f flick to the next one? I don't want to dwell on that picture, just flick past it now. But what happened was that many people of a certain political party protested against Jacob Zuma, the once president of South Africa, going to prison. And so they started to loot the shops. And I uh, watched a lot of footage of that because um, it, you know, it was right on my parents' foot doorstep, really. And so I watched a lot of Facebook and different other, you know, private videos that people were posting. And the people who rioted in the interviews, and, you know, some people tried to interview them, they rioted for all the same reasons. Number one, they felt they deserved it. Number two, others were doing it, and therefore, why shouldn't I do it? And number three... The, shops were, the shop entrances were torn down. It was there. It was free. Free to take. But you know what happened? The people forgot about the law. And the law is the country's instructions which tell us how to live and how to behave. And in the same way, the Israelites, when they went out um, on the Sabbath day to, to look for food, they were disobeying God's instructions on how to behave. When they took too much and they tried to keep it till the next day, what happened? It went off. 
they were not following God's precise, and that's why I love that game you played. We had to follow those instructions precisely, didn't we? And both those occasions, God became angry with them. He wanted them to learn a new way of living, and that was one of trusting him completely. Um, And that's why you children, if any children are still listening to me, when you go and pinch a biscuit just before supper time, and your mum and your dad said, don't take a biscuit before supper time, what happens when they catch you that you've taken a biscuit? You know, they get very cross, don't they? And you know what? Parents don't get cross because you've taken the biscuit, because they can afford a biscuit. They get cross because you haven't listened to them that they know better for you when is the right time to eat nutritious food. That's what really makes parents cross, doesn't it? And that's exactly what I think the Lord was trying to teach his people. To rest, to eat, and to trust in him. So, in this final part of our passage, we see that the Lord told Moses to keep some of the manna in a jar as a reminder for future generations. So it was for those Israelites and their children and those children's children to remember about resting, eating, and trusting in the Lord. So I want to ask and finish off with this, ask a difficult question. Adults, are we modeling this kingdom lifestyle to the world and to the children around us? That's why we have house groups and Sunday services to take time out from the working week to be together and fellowship together. That's why we break bread together as a church family, isn't it? To remind us of the bread of life, the manna from heaven who satisfies us in every way. That's why we don't do, especially in front of our children, any slightly shady or illegal things. Or work unearthly hours which steals from our family life. And that's why we give our tithes and our offerings. As a sign of God's provision and trust in him. So let's make the decision, the commitment to opt into that kingdom lifestyle. Because the Lord wants us to walk in his ways. He wants us to be different from the rest of the world. He wants us to be set apart and whole and holy And he wants us to be nourished children of God who display the kingdom of God in our lifestyles. Amen. I'll ask Debbie to pray for us. Thank you so much, Walter. Let's just be quiet for a moment and let's pray and receive from the Lord. Lord Jesus, for some of us, you're speaking about rest. You're reminding us we need to find the right rhythms of rest in our lives. For some of us, Lord, you're challenging us about what kind of rest we take. Maybe it's not always so very good for us. It doesn't give us much peace or much life. We pray, Lord, that you will pour your peace, your rest 
into our lives. You're strengthening and restoring. Lord, for some of us, you're talking to us about what we eat and how we eat. And you want to challenge us, Lord, to feed on you. That we don't live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. You want us to be hungry, Lord, for you, for your word, for your goodness, for your purposes in our lives. Help us, Lord, to feed on you and to feed on the things that are good for us. And Lord, for some of us, you're speaking about trust. Because Lord, we know what you've told us to do. We know what you've said to us, but some of us, we've still gone out and done the opposite. We've not obeyed. Lord, please help us now. Lord, wash away our guilt and our disappointment with ourselves and our feelings of failure and just fix our eyes again on you and on the goodness of your commands and your laws. David said your laws were beautiful and that's because they give us life. Help us to listen to the things you tell us and to do them, to trust and obey, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Let your living word abide in me so richly as I abide in you. Let your living